This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program, presented by TaylorMade. Try the all-new Tour Response, a tour-quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour, only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Oh, ho, ho, it is a major week in the world of golf. The U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. It kicks off Thursday. We've got a ton to get to today. Zakino with you. Adam Scully going to be by for the rest of the show. Bob Weeks jumping in off the top because Weeksy is on his way to Torrey Pines. That should just be my winner this week. And winner's weird and what is the fact that Bob is traveling to the U.S. Open like it's a normal year, like we're getting back to normal. I'm absolutely loving it. There is hope at the end of the tunnel. So let's go to Pearson International Airport right now to the private terminal where Bob Weeks is about to board the Golf Talk Canada private jet to San Diego, or I'm assuming, Bob, into the private terminal in the Carlsbad La Jolla area. <laughs> Not quite, but uh, we're pretty close. Yeah, we're, at, uh, we're in, here with the, in here with the general public in, uh, in uh, Pearson. It's very, I can tell you, it's an eerie experience right now. There is not much going on here and not many people here. Um, it's weird. It's very weird, but uh, but it feels safe. I will say that. Well, uh, we hope you travel safe. I'm sure you'll be fine. I'm sure uh, you'll have a great time once you're there, back on the ground for the U.S. Open. We only got you for the first segment off the top, Bob, so I want to do a ton of U.S. Open with you as much as we can before we say goodbye to you this morning. So we've got a crazy busy show. Again, Adam's going to be by for the rest of the show. We're going to do a U.S. Open picks with 20 weeks of TaylorMade. We'll talk Phil Mickelson's quest for history, winners, weird and what, get you caught up on all the leaderboards in the world of golf. So much to get to. But off the top, let's hit some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. Okay, Bob, U.S. Open. John Rahm has been the betting favorite for quite some time. I've been picking him to win this tournament for about six months. Um, but he's just gotten out of quarantine. He's just arrived at Torrey Pines. Where are you on John Rahm? Has the cor- does the quarantine throw you off of him? What do you expect? Yeah, it does a little bit. I'm just kind of not. I'm not really sure about how much time he's had to practice, how much time you know, how much rust there's developed up onto his game. Um, where you know, where is he going to be on Thursday in terms of how he feels about his game? So. I think he's still among the favorites, but I and I know he is the betting favorite. But in my book, I don't sure I'd put him on the top just yet. All right, you and I spoke a lot about DJ last week, Dustin Johnson. I don't know if he's over par or under par as we leave the Palmetto Championship. He technically did exactly what you and I asked him to do: have a chance to win on Sunday, look like he could contend. But neither of us suggested he was going to triple bogey the 16th hole and completely <laughs> blow his brains out and go in reverse. Uh, his numbers on Sunday, Bob, at the Pimental Championship, not good. Did not hit many greens and missed a ridiculous amount of fairways. So the question marks leading into the Palmetto Championship are still there for DJ leaving the Palmetto Championship. Where are you on world number one? You're typically higher on him than Adam and I most of the time. I'm curious to your feelings of what you saw transpire over the weekend in South Carolina. I guess if I was a half-full kind of guy, which I usually am, I would say that that 
at least helped me get a little more faith in DJ. Um, he still hasn't had a top 10 in three months, so that worries me a little bit. And, and the biggest thing you pointed out very clearly there, Mark, was missed a ton of fairways. And I don't know, unless you're Bryson DeChambeau, you might not. I, I just don't think you can play at a U.S. Open by missing fairways. So unless he finds those as a starting point, it's not the only part of his game that worries me at this point. But there's just, you know, I keep waiting for him to break out of this funk, like you are, I'm sure, and, and Adam as well. And so far, I've just seen nothing so far that really lets me uh, think it's going to happen. And, you know, if you're going to do it, I don't think a major is a place where uh, everything comes together because you've got to be you got to be going in there with a good game, not trying to find it when you get there. And that's a great segue, Bob, because it's a good look at Torrey Pines. And this is a golf course that we see annually. This is a golf course that I typically work annually four days on the ground for it the farmers insurance open and tory pines and you adam and i have had the pleasure of playing it with our friends at TaylorMade many times the rough is never down at this golf course it's always cabbage it's always tough and take a look at some of the winning scores at the farmers insurance open it, it, it can go anywhere between eight under par 13 14 under par and that's with the north course in play for one of the rounds in the farmers insurance open it's almost like you can show up any day at Torrey Pines and play a U.S. Open. So th- that being said, they're probably not going to stretch this golf course out as long as they can play it. We'll likely play it around 7,600 every day. They could play at 78, 79 if they wanted to. They won't, according to the USGA. I think it's going to be a brute. I think it's a brute, uh, like I say, on a, on a Tuesday in March, it's a brute. Are you looking at overall great drivers of the golf ball, or are you looking at guys that can scramble because let's just assume that everyone's going to miss fairways and greens? Uh, can I choose all of the above? <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think you need to, I think you seriously need to drive the ball well, but you better be prepared because nobody is going to hit, you know, hit every fairway. No one's going to hit. I mean, I think if you hit half your fairways in a round, maybe 10 fairways, you're going to be ecstatic. And and you're right. Um, you know, Corey Connors was saying how he's been spending basically all of last week honing in on his wedge play because he knows that's where uh, where it's going to come down to. So I think I, I just think you need everything there. As as we've talked about before, you and I, Mark, you know that you, a major you can't go in with a weak part of your game. You can't be a poor putter. You can't be a poor wedge player. You can't be a poor driver. You got to have some semblance of of strength in every part of those games. Yes, you can be stronger off the tee or into the greens or whatever, but uh, man, you know, let's let's face it. The number one thing around here is just going to be composure and, and realizing um, that you got to you, you can't compound any kind of errors, any way, shape, or form. Speaking of Corey Connors, Bob, we have four Canadians in the field. He's obviously the choice to point to as Canada's best hope at winning a major championship. Even his game is kind of built for a U.S. Open in terms of fairways and greens. That being said. Nick Taylor, another decent showing again this week and showing that his game is certainly headed in the right direction. Where are you on Team Canada? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on all four of them, to be perfectly honest with you. Adam Hadwin showed some signs of life last time he was out, and uh, we know what Corey's capable of. Um, you know, I think uh, Taylor Pendrith is a guy who uh, might surprise a few people. He's, he was a low Canadian uh, don't forget, a year ago at the, at uh, the U.S. Open at Wingfoot on a brutally difficult golf course, so uh, that might come into ha- come in handy as well. So I, I think you know all four of those guys have have something to show. Um, I think Corey is obviously the best of the four right now, playing the best, and 
and has a game that's kind of U.S. Open suited. You know, lots of fairways, lots of greens, as we've talked about. His putting is trending in the right direction. He's positive on the strokes gain side of things for the first time in a, going into a U.S. Open, I think. So uh, I think for him it will come down to his wedge play more than anything. But I, I really do like all four Canadians in the field. Matt Hughes, Taylor Pendrith, Adam Hadwin, and of course Corey Connors, Canada's hope for the U.S. Open. And I'm right. I, I'm kind of with you that Penrith could surprise a few people here as well. Well, especially the size of this ballpark, Bob, being so big. Okay, Bob. Before we let you go, two things because we know you've got to uh, uh, get on a, a flight and get out to the West Coast, and we'll see you tomorrow for Golf Talk Canada Television, and we'll break this down a little deeper. But uh, we'll get your edge picks obviously on golf talk canada tv this week but do you have a favorite right now one player that all signs are pointing to for you no <laughs> that's an honest answer <laughs> i you know i sat we've been we've been sitting in there at the terminal here for for a better part of an hour more than that maybe now and i'm looking down the betting odds and i'm going i can't pick out one guy that i think is going to be my clear-cut favorite John Rahm would have been that way, I think, without uh, without COVID. But I, as I said at the top, you know, I'm a little worried about uh, the rust that may have built up over his quarantining time. And I don't know right now. I, I mean, I, I it's it's and, and this is I think it's entertaining this way. I think it's really interesting to to know and, and looking down that list and maybe there's ten guys there that you can choose from, uh, which is pretty rare at a major championship. I mean, I think you know you'd look at Jordan Spieth, but he's a little spraying off the tee, so I'm not big on that and. I don't know where else you go. Justin Thomas is like DJ. He hasn't had a top 10 in three months since the players, really. Um, so, you know, it's it's a mystery to me. I'll have something by the time we tape our television show, but, but I guarantee you that. But I right said, now, I'm not sure. I said two more quick things, but I'm going to squeeze in a third here uh, because I have two more left for you. Phil Mickelson, I, I, I have to ask you. It, you know, it's so wide open. If it turns into a scrambling contest, you know, our – is that was what we saw just a one-off miracle in may uh this is a hometown game for him where are you at like can can we expect anything lefty or is it impossible are you and i just blindfolding ourselves and throwing darts at a board when it comes to phil mickelson yeah i'm not i'm not real bullish on phil not so much because i don't think he can do it but i don't think he likes the golf course if you look at his record since they made the changes here in i think 2001 um, you know, he's really not played all that well at this golf course. He's stated that he doesn't really like the changes that they made and he doesn't feel comfortable with it. So I think, I think the, the course is more of a factor here than actual Phil getting in there. Listen, he won the PGA championship and everything worked right as it does for anyone who wins a major, you know, you have to play well, you have to get breaks and you have to have other guys not get breaks. And that is, that is what's happened here a number of times. So, for Phil, I just think that it would be like catching lightning in a bottle again. It's not impossible, but I think the odds are very, very long. And, Bob, quickly before we let you go, sad news. Uh, Canadian golf community uh, lost a, a real ally and someone who has done a lot for junior golf in the country, uh, dedicated many years to growing the game and the sport in Canada. Former executive director Dave Mills passed away this uh, last week with his battle with cancer and just wanted to get some comments from you on Dave Mills because uh, – he was uh, as well liked. I would uh, I would ima- imagine he, he would would find him to be as well liked as respected. You find a lot of people respected, but he was just as well liked as respected in the Canadian golf landscape. 
Yeah, he was a very, uh, very quiet guy, very kind of behind the scenes kind of guy, but gave so much to Canadian golf and to Ontario golf, especially a lot of people, a lot of our listeners won't know his name. And that's, that's almost, I think for him, he, he's, he wouldn't have minded that because he preferred to work in the background, but he gave so many opportunities to young people to play golf. He really, I, I think kind of changed the face of the Ontario golf association or golf Ontario as it was during those times. Um, I, I just think that he's he has, his his dedication and his commitment is so underrated in, on all the things that he accomplished, whether it be at the top amateur level or you know in the junior uh, level. And look at look at the crew of uh, the family he brought up. You know John Mills. Uh, I mean, there's so many good players that can thank Dave Mills for what he organized, not, including his uh, his own kids. Yes, our condolences on behalf of Bob, Adam, myself, and everyone at Golf Talk Canada, our condolences to the Mills family, and uh, we lost a good one. Bob, have a safe trip. Have a blast. I'm so happy you're back on the ground for the U.S. Open. We will talk to you for TV this week. We will get into it a little deeper, break it down, and we'll, uh, we'll find out who you like at this championship. But safe travels. Have a good one. Talk tomorrow. Okay, take care. Weeksy on his way to Carlsbad, California, Torrey Pines, U.S. Open. On the other side, we will bring in the Adam Bomb. Adam Scully coming in with the pick of the year, by the way. TSN Edge picks. I am not one to toot our own horn. Okay, that's a lie. I'm constantly tooting our own horn. But in the last three weeks, the Golf Talk Canada team has picked two winners and two second-place finishers in the last three weeks on the PGA Tour. If you've been following our edge picks, you know what you've done? You've made the cheddar. So we're going to have more cheddar picks for you at the U.S. Open. We're going to bring in the man that picked Higo, Garrick Higo, that's right, he won the Palmetto Championship. Adam Scully had him this week. We'll bring in Scully next. We'll talk Palmetto Championship. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. Try the all-new Tour Response, a tour-quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour. Only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zucchino with you. We just said goodbye to Weeksy on his way to Torrey Pines, cover the U.S. Open for TSN. Wondering if you caught any of the golf this past weekend on the PGA Tour, you would have watched the Palmetto Championship at Congaree, Congaree Golf Club in South Carolina, very exclusive private golf community in South Carolina. This was a one-off event replacing the RBC Canadian Open. Uh, Garrett Higo wins it, 11 under par, one-shot lead over a handful of players at 10 under. And the man that selected Garrick Higo as a guy you should be watching on his TSN Edge picks coming in the week, Adam Scully joining us now. Skulls, amazing pick. What is he, 45 to 1 when, uh, when you uh, mm-hmm. selected him last week? Yeah, he was 45 to 1 to win. And like I mentioned on TSN Edge uh, on Golf Talk Canada last Wednesday, 
he one of the most under the radar hottest players in the world coming into the week with two European tour wins in his last four starts and now three wins in his last five worldwide starts now climbs to 39th in the world for a young guy I mean I, I doubt he can go back to back here at the U.S. Open, but with such a wide open field like we spoke about at length last week uh, during our TSN Edge segment, uh, good to pick someone who has played a lot of good golf lately in his two wins on the European Tour in his last four starts. He won by a combined nine shots, so playing some great golf and, and nice to see him pull through. And like you mentioned in our, in our last break, um, we're on a bit of a roll right now. For the TSN Edge Picks on Golf Talk Canada, with your uh, correctly picking Patrick Cantlay at the Memorial, uh, I picked Eric Higo, and of course Bob picked uh, Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman for the team event at New Orleans a couple months ago. So the boys are on fire right now. We are on fire. We've also had some close calls with second place. Uh, we had Spieth a few weeks back. We had Terrell Hatton this week who finished in the log jam at second. Uh, Higo also uh, a fourth victory in the last nine months. If you go back to his first European Tour win, it's only last September uh, 2020. So I think maybe under the radar for most of the golf community because a certain level of disrespect, Adam, to the European Tour during the past year when most of the European Tour players have stayed on American soil because of the pandemic. In other words, they don't want to deal with the travel issues. They don't want to deal with coming back and forth because you can't. It's not easy to do so, or it hasn't been until recently now that that is starting to loosen again. So you had to make a commitment, really, to one tour or the other. And the European Tour lost a bunch of events, a huge portion of their schedule canceled. So in all due respect to the European Tour, which I think is an underrated tour and a great, you know, certainly the second best tour in the world, easy and very close to the PGA Tour, the last 12 months of the European Tour has been a watered-down version of itself. I think that is a fair comment. So when you win three times on a watered-down version, maybe you didn't carry the same respect you would have if Garrick Higo had won those three uh, European Tour events in 2019 or 2018. Maybe he would have been on our radar a little bit more. Mm -hmm. He certainly was on your radar, but I don't think the general golf community has been engaged with the European Tour as much because they have an understanding that the Terrell Hattons of the world and the Tommy Fleetwoods of the world, et cetera, et cetera, are already over here on this side of the pond playing the PGA Tour and getting ready for the majors, et cetera, because they don't want to miss them. Would you think that is a fair statement as to why maybe Hago flew under the radar a bit? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you know, like you mentioned in the last, you know, since the pandemic, 15 months, 16 months, whatever we're in right now, a lot of the guys have been staying over here yeah, to avoid all the quarantine situations just for health and safety. But now, you know, like you mentioned to Bob, it's great things are starting to open up. You know, Rory McIlroy committed to the Irish Open coming up next month. So guys are will be starting to go over there. You'll see a little more uh, equality, I guess, uh, with the PGA Tour and European Tour. But especially for a field as wide open as the Palmetto Championship, perhaps the most wide open field we've seen since maybe the fall series, where where there are a couple guys, you know, in wide open in the sense that Brooks Kepka's playing the week before a major championship. As he said, he only practices for majors, so he was just there just to show up and, and play 36 holes. Dustin Johnson, no form coming in, played well. Obviously, the triple bogey set him back, but for a wide open field, my mentality was why not pick a player who has won recently and he did it again. So uh, kudos to Garrick Higo for getting it done. 
Well, before we hear from Garrick Higgle, let's run down the leaderboard. Higgle with a one-shot win. It's 11 under par. It's a Sunday 60-80. He posts four rounds in the 60s on a golf course that nobody has really ever seen before. Really good quality golf course. A mix of uh, Australian Sandbelt meets, meets Pinehurst, North Carolina. Um, it would have been even better if they didn't get the rain earlier in the week, but the course held up beautifully. Higgo goes one shot over Swafford, Redmond, Vegas, Hatton, Bovan Pelt, and Chesson Hadley, who had one of the worst Sundays I've seen in ages. It was hard not to feel bad for Chesson Hadley. He hit four greens in regulation on a championship Sunday, had a four-shot lead to start the day, and just went completely in reverse. But at the end of the day, Higgo played well. You can't take it from him. Let's hear now from his the newest champion with his first win ever on American soil, Garrick Higo. I'm just proud of the way I uh, uh, hang in there. Um, I mean, it was tough all the way from the start. Um, definitely didn't have my A game um, in terms of uh, off the tee, but uh, I like that sometimes. Um, I like uh, not having to, you know, play perfect golf. I enjoy scrambling and making making a couple putts, um, which I did, which was awesome. All right, Adam, a couple quick things before we go to break. One, what did you think of Congaree Golf Club? I thought it was uh, just a very cool venue, no rough, very different, loved it. Very uh, Pinehurst number two vibes uh, to me. Royal Melbourne, too, in a sense. I, I love the green complex. There's really tricky grain around the greens as well that we saw, especially down the stretch there. Yeah, and you mentioned no rough. I love that as well. It's just something different. You know, the, the U.S. Open's going back to Pinehurst in a couple of years, and after watching this past week, I'm, I can't wait for that U.S. Open in a couple of years for sure. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And that uh, don't forget the USGA secondary home now out of Pinehurst number two as well, moving a lot of their offices, part of the museum, etc. So uh, it's going to USGA and the US Open going to have a real uh, footprint uh, in in the Pinehurst, North Carolina area. Mm -hmm. And before we go to break, Adam, I asked this to Bob, and I will ask it to yourself. Uh, world number one reigning FedEx Cup champion Dustin Johnson comes into the Palmetto Championship, clearly the class of this field. Uh, Obviously, Kepka part of this field. Kepka's had a weird year. Terrell Hatton in this field. But DJ is the class of the field. Comes in with question marks on it on almost every aspect of his game, including keeping it off the fair keeping it in the fairway off the tee. He had a chance to win this championship. Eleven under par wins this golf tournament. He got to eleven under par on the fifteenth hole. When he left the fifteenth green, he was eleven under par, which was the winning number. And he triple bogeys the par 4 16th. Where are you with DJ? Does he come out of this under par or over par? I've got him over par. All my questions on Dustin Johnson are still there. I have not answered a single question that I had coming in, going out. Where are you? Yeah, I mean, finishing T86 in driving accuracy for Dustin Johnson last week, not so good. I mean, having said that, with the glass half full, his first top 10 since the Genesis Invitational when, you know, heading into that week back in February, he just seemed unstoppable after his win in Saudi Arabia. Then, of course, the Masters a couple months previous. I'm more optimistic about DJ heading into the U.S. Open because, you know, we had the, the good finish. Obviously, the, the 16th hole triple bogey wasn't so good, but... For a guy having zero form coming in, there are flashes of brilliance. And 
I firmly, I mean, DJ's missed the first two cuts at the major championships in 2021. Hard to believe for a world number one. Mm-hmm. I think the way he's playing, I think he can make the cut. And I guess we'll see where, where we are on the weekend. But I guess I'm still a little under par for Dustin Johnson. 82nd in driving accuracy scares the crap out of me, Adam, because yeah. those fairways were massive. I mean, they, it was a second shot golf course and a, and a golf course you needed to have different shots around the green. Off the tee, it gave you nothing but space. And it was running firm and fast. He didn't even need to hit driver. It was quite easy. It's an easy golf course to keep it in the fairway. And he couldn't do it. And you and I both know firsthand how hard it is to keep it in the fairway at Torrey Pines, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, I am scared of this, but it's going to be interesting to see a uh, story to watch over the next uh, week and watch it develop. On the other side, to me, we are going to get into the story that, in my mind, would be the certainly the biggest headline a week today uh, and change the landscape of golf history, um, which we, he kind of did last month. But to me, this is, I don't know if there's anything bigger in the game of golf if Phil Mickelson were to be able to steal a U.S. Open at age 50. Adam and I will jump into it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zakino and Scully with you as we are kind of full-blown now in the U.S. Open mode as the year's third major kicks off from Torrey Pines this Thursday. TSN CTV, your home for all major championship golf, including the U.S. Open, Golf Talk Canada TV. We'll have a 60-minute preview special coming up on Wednesday before we hand it off. To the network for U.S. Open coverage, let's not forget that next Monday, Golf Talk Canada Radio is also Golf Talk Canada Radio TV. Mondays after major championships, players' championships, playoff events, etc., you can watch Golf Talk Canada Radio on the TSN television network. Adam and I, we're going to be giving away... A Bushnell wingman. As we speak, we currently have a very cool contest going on in social media. We asked our friends coast to coast to post pictures of their favorite par threes and tag the golf course and tag Bushnell Golf and Golf Talk Canada as we will be giving one away for British Columbia, Alberta, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Ontario, and the Atlantic provinces. Six wingmen in total. We're going to give them away next Monday. So that's going on. We're also going to launch an Adidas contest next Monday. That's all coming up on Golf Talk Canada Radio TV. And in the next segment, we're going to give away a $100 Mr. Butcher gift card. Again, a $100 Mr. Butcher gift card. Uh, coming off the top of our next segment as we'll open the phone lines as we do each week and give away a $100 Mr. Butcher gift card. And the winners, all the winners, will go into the grand prize for a barbecue for you and nine of your friends this summer from Mr. Butcher. Okay, Skulls, here we go. Torrey Pines for the U.S. Open. We haven't been to Torrey Pines for the U.S. Open since uh, Tiger Woods won in on a Monday playoff against Rocco Mediate in 2008. 
Uh, that's the last time it was there. We go there every year for the Farmers Insurance Open. So, our, you know, our listeners uh, and golf fans are very familiar with uh, Torrey Pines and, and what this golf course means and, and what it takes to get it done around there. It doesn't really fit a Phil Mickelson golf course. If you and I were to talk about, you know, what, what's, a, what's a Phil Mickelson golf course, it's certainly not Torrey Pines. And as Bob outlined in, in the first segment, it, his record there has not been great since they've done the tweaking and the redesign. Um, but that being said, Adam, he's got six second-place finishes at the U.S. Open. In fact, there's only one player in history that has more second-place finishes at majors in general, and that's Jack Nicklaus. So Phil Mickelson, I mean, has been a bridesmaid across the board more than anybody in history other than Jack Nicklaus. And he's coming off his sixth major victory. You got to think he's got confidence at this point. And I would argue that there's no golf course in the U.S. Open that really sets up for Phil Mickelson, yet he's already won almost won six of them. So it doesn't make sense that he it doesn't make sense that he should have won at Wingfoot, because that is certainly not a, a, a Mickelson golf course. I mean, uh uh, uh, Marion Marion. shouldn't have almost won there, right? Should have never got it done there. The only Mm -hmm. one that you could potentially make an argument for is the one that you just brought up, Pinehurst number two, because it's more of a scramble, scrambler's delight. You got to be a short game genius to get it done around those uh, upside down bull Donald Ross screens. Mm -hmm. So you can't really make sense of it. And the fact that you can't make sense of it, it, it almost gives me confidence in Phil. Because because it doesn't make sense, and and typically mainly what he does, what he just did in May doesn't make sense. So, um, I will start with this for you. Historically speaking, I have him as as the tenth greatest player in history, and I I grinded this out when, when we got to the PGA Championship in May. I was like, okay, so what does this do for him? I've seen some people have him as high as 7th or 8th, historically. Some people have him as low as 15th. So it's typically when you talk to the, you know, the golf media experts, yada, yada, you see him as high as 7th, as low as 15th. I have him at 10th. So I will ask you this. Where do you have him historically in your mind right now in terms of all-time greats? And what would a victory at age 50 in a U.S. Open, by the way, he turns 51, this upcoming week as well. Where would a victory at the U.S. Open do for you? What would that change? Because for me, it would be the biggest headline, maybe in the history of the game. Uh, And to me, it would vault him into the top six or seven players, hands down, in the history of the game, put him on Mount Everest in an exclusive group that is the most exclusive group in all of the game. Yeah, so for me, I have him in the probably the 8 to 10 all-time range right now. But if we were to do the unthinkable and go on to win this week, I mean, you mentioned after he won the PGA Championship, we had Jack Nicklaus in 1986, we had Tiger Woods in 2019, and now we have Phil in 2021. If he goes on to win this, not only is he completing the career Grand Slam, he's winning two straight major championships at 50 and now now 51 years old turning this week. I, I think this would maybe be the biggest story arguably we've ever seen in golf. I mean, when Tiger Woods won the 2019 Masters, some thought he'd never play golf again. Who knows if he will now ever play golf again. But if Phil actually does this, to me, this might be bigger than that. Like, this would be, be absolutely massive were he to get this done. 
Um, one other point, you mentioned uh, the different golf courses that he's had success at, at the U.S. Open, six runner-up finishes. Torrey Pines and, and Bethpage, is there a bit of a similarity there? I mean, he finished runner-up twice at Bethpage, once in 2002 to Tiger Woods and 09 to Lucas Glover. To me, there's a bit of a similarity there between Torrey Pines and Bethpage Black. As Bob spoke about in segment one, Phil hasn't had that much success since the redo in 2001. But no one saw Phil winning at Kiowa Island, 200 to 1 odds coming into that tournament. He's around 66 to 1 or 50 to 1, depending on which book you're looking at this week. Still a long shot for Phil Mickelson. But if he can stay in the mix, just don't shoot 79 in the first round, which he's done multiple times at the U.S. Open. I think he can have a somewhat of a chance this week. I think you're bang on with Beth Page in terms of what it, kind of golf it takes. I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to contradict myself for the next seven days because everything I tell you is going to point or everything I suggest is going to point towards the game's best overall drivers of the golf ball are going to win at Torrey Pines, which is exactly the same things that you and I say, Adam, when we get to places like Bethpage and we get to places like Wingfoot. Look at Wingfoot, the Shamble Wolf. Look at the drivers of the golf ball, right? It became a driving contest. Now, DeChambeau ends up winning by six because he outputs the field. But it was the drivers that put themselves in position to win. That is the same thing this week. Although, when we get to our picks, I will completely contradict ourselves. Because, in my mind, the greatest drivers of the golf ball aren't in form. But if they were yeah. in form, I'd be all over them, right? Like, I would be mm-hmm. all over Dustin Johnson, all over Brooks Kepka, all over Rory McIlroy, because yeah. in my mind, the greatest drivers of the golf ball are the players that should do well at Torrey Pines, as to your point, Beth Page Black. But as also to your point, though, I mean, that doesn't speak to Phil Mickelson, yet he keeps having a chance to win at these places that he shouldn't, which... Which kind of lends me to, I think, the second point in this is that if, if driving the golf ball, overall driving of the golf ball is the most important stat at a U.S. Open, and someone you could make an argument uh, quite easily that that isn't the most important stat, that that stat is reflective more as, as to where we are playing a U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, if we agree that that is the most important stat, overall driving of the golf ball, then a close second has got to be wedge play, which is why Corey Connors said to Bob Weeks he's grinding out his wedge play. Because at a U.S. Open, you're going to miss fairways. You're going to get lies, and you're going to get spots where you can no longer get to a green in regulation. And now you are playing to a number in which you put a wedge in your head. And at age 51, approaching age 51, from what we just saw in May at the Kiowa Island at the PGA Championship, I would argue with you that Phil Mickelson at age 51 is still one of the top five wedge players in the world any given week, any given golf course, any given grass. And because of that, Adam, there's always a chance. Thoughts? There's always a chance. And, you know, you mentioned Phil's wedge game and specifically at the PGA Championship, goes out and plays a good first round. Second round starts in the back nine, his third or fourth hole, hits a ball into the water. You're thinking, okay, here goes Phil. Here comes a 76. 
but from 120 yards hits it to a foot and saves bogey and keeps that momentum going for Phil Mickelson and his driver as well. He had that two wood in the bag, which I'm sure we'll see that tailor made sort of two wood, if you call it, if, as long as, you know, that's on the planet off the tee, hit some fairways, Phil Mickelson could have a pretty good chance to contend uh, in the first rounds in his U S open career, seven opening rounds of 75 or worse in his career at the U S open. So just don't play yourself out of the tournament, but one good omen perhaps for Phil Mickelson, he's played 25 career final rounds of the U S open. Of course, he's missed some cuts Two. He's only broken 70 twice in final rounds of the U S open. You know, the last time he did that mark, the 2008 U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. Good ah, omen, perhaps? There you go. Maybe you never know. And if because, you know what You know what I'm th- sitting here thinking? we got to go to break because we're running very late. On the other side, we'll do the Mr. Butcher gift card giveaway. We'll open up the phone lines, 870-1050. 870-1050, anyone listening to us on TSN 1050 in the greater Toronto area and the 416 or greater GTA. But as we speak of Phil and as we speak of wedge play and things of this nature, you know who's popping into my head, Adam? Jordan Spieth. Who, look at the season Jordan Spieth had, and if this becomes an ugly scrambling contest and who can make putts on bad greens, has anybody made more putts on bad greens in the last five, six, seven years than Jordan Spieth? Nobody. Right. Interesting, interesting. I can't wait to get this started Thursday. On the other side, Mr. Butcher giveaway and more Skelly's Aquino will get you caught up on everything GTC. We've got so much going on. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, Zucchino and Scully. Speaking of Myrtle Beach, looking forward, I think next week, Adam, the official announcement on the return of the Can-Am Cup coming. So you and I will be heading to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina at the end of the year to take on Team USA and those nasty Paulsons. We'll have to take those guys down again. And now Charlie Reimer, I believe, is also one of the captains now on oh. uh, Team USA as well. So... Uh, you know, because you and I typically uh, always take down former PGA uh, Tour players, right? That's kind always. Of like, I, I mean, I mean, you know, you know, so, bombs will be hit, and we'll use our our trademark: read it, roll it, hole it, hole it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's open the phone lines, 416-870-1050, 416-870-1050. For our listeners in the greater Toronto area, we want to know, U.S. Open, it's at Torrey Pines coming up this Thursday. We want to know what year, what year was the previous U.S. Open held at Torrey Pines? What year was the previous U.S. Open held at Torrey Pines? It was many years ago, a very famous U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. What year? 870-1050, 870-1050. Mr. Butcher, $100 gift card giveaway, $100 gift card giveaway. Okay, Skulls, coming up in hour two, we got a busy one. We'll break down the Canadian chances at Torrey Pines. Four players in the field. Corey Connors, obviously all signs pointing towards Corey Connors. But Taylor Penrith, Monday qualifying uh, another U.S. Open for him. He could surprise a lot of people. He's on his way to the PGA Tour. He's got the distance to play this massive ballpark. 
Watch out for Taylor Penrith this week. We'll do our U.S. Open draft. We'll do winners, where to what. We'll get ca- caught up everybody on leaderboards. There was a lot of golf in the world of golf. Jerry Kelly wins back-to-back. Uh, well, not back-to-back. He defends his title, I should say, on the Champions Tour. He won the Champions Tour event back in 2019. It was canceled because of uh, COVID, yada, yada. They have it this year, so he defends his title from 2019 this week in, in a really great win on the Champions Tour, so we'll get you caught up on all leaderboards. Uh, but we've got lots going on on uh, Golf Talk Canada. Oh, yeah. We mentioned the Bushnell uh, wingman giveaway, which we will give out six wingmen for Bushnell Golf and Golf Talk Canada this upcoming Monday. We will launch an Adidas con- contest on Golf Talk Canada radio to TV this Monday. But, Adam. Huge week and 20 weeks of TaylorMade, and there's still some time to win, correct? Still some time to win, and Mark, this week we are giving away a set of TaylorMade P770 irons. Yes, a full iron set. We are giving that away later this afternoon. So you might be listening and think, how do I win? All you have to do, follow Golf Talk Canada, follow TaylorMade Canada on Twitter and Instagram, and tag your golfing buddies. You'll be in the draw to win an Iron set, yes, P770 irons. And Mark, our giveaway this week starting on Wednesday, little teaser, you're not going to want to miss it. You'll be seeing a lot of this product out and about at the U.S. Open this week at Torrey Pines. That's all I'm going to say, a little teaser, but you won't want to miss this. All right, follow us on uh, at Golf Talk Canada. That's at Golf Talk Canada, Twitter, Instagram, at TaylorMadeCA, Twitter, Instagram, at TaylorMadeCA. And you do it. You got twice a chance to win. Uh, this week, it's P770 irons. There's a teaser coming up that Adam just suggested. You're going to see this week's prize. But there are 20 weeks across the entire summer. Lots of weeks still left. Thousands in prizes. And the grand prize, 20 weeks tailor-made for anyone who follows us and tailor-made and tags their buddies each week. Anyone who does that throughout the year is already included in the draw for the grand prize, which is a full Custom tour experience, top to bottom. We're talking woods, irons, wedges, putter, bag, balls, hat, tour fitting, custom experience. Basically, you get treated like Dustin Johnson for the day is the grand prize as 20 Weeks of TaylorMade continues throughout the summer. We have a winner, Tony McLaughlin, one of our regular listeners and viewers. Tony McLaughlin knew that in 2008, Tory Pines hosted the U.S. Open. So that's, that's right. 13 years ago. Tiger Woods over Rocco Mediate on a Monday playoff finish. They needed extra holes again, Adam. Do you remember 91 that? 91 holes. That's 91 right. holes. Incredible. And uh, we'll see what kind of uh, what kind of tournament we get. Like I, I got to think, Adam. Just trying to think a winning <laughs> score. What do you think the winning score is going to be right now? We haven't really talked much about it, but you know what? Sit on that because okay. what we're going to do is let's let's sit on that for a sec because I'll tell you why. I want to pull up some of the winning scores of most recent Farmers Insurance Opens. So we're talking about a regular PGA Tour event that also uses the North Course for 18 right. of the uh, of, of, of the four rounds of golf. They use the North Course for one of those rounds, which mm-hmm. also – you know, obviously, uh, is a much easier golf course and, and, and raises the, the, the scoring number to, you know, a few, three, four strokes better to par each year when they include the north course. So let's pull those numbers in the break. 
On the other side, when we talk about uh, Team Canada, we'll also take a look at potential winning score. I'll get your co- your idea here on winning score because, I mean, all signs are pointing towards something very similar to what we saw at Wingfoot uh, just you know a few months back uh-huh. with Bryson DeChambeau. I can't see more than one, maybe two players under par. Could be wrong. You know, the weather looks pretty good, I believe, right now. We'll take a look at the forecast. So the good weather, but, I mean, this is a beast on a regular week. So we'll get into that next. Coming up on the other side, we'll do Team Canada. We'll do our draft. We'll do winners, weird and what. Leaderboard updates. All coming up in Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada. Coming up on the other side, though, Team Canada chat with Adam and I. This is GTC. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by play golf myrtle beach no destination in the world can match myrtle beach's volume of golf quality and value come discover why myrtle beach is the golf capital of the world thank you for listening to hour one of gtc don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram at golf talk canada for show archives podcasts and all things gtc visit golftalkcanada.com and don't miss golf talk canada television weekly on the tsn television network This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Hour 2, GTC, Zacchino, Scully, Winners Weird and What, U.S. Open Draft, Leaderboard Updates. All U.S. Open all the way. Okay. We will talk Team Canada. Crunched a little numbers for you, Skulls. Okay. 2008 U.S. Open won by Tiger Woods. A one under par mm-hmm. total got you, in a, got you in a Monday playoff. One under par, technically the winning score to put you in that playoff. Rocco Mediate and Tiger Woods. Looking at some recent Farmers Insurance Opens. We've got a lot of 10-under, 14-under, 15-under. We have an outlier year of Justin Rose at 21-under. We're going to throw that one out because it's an outlier. So maybe the rough isn't normal that year, yada, yada, yada. Let's look at these other winning scores. Jason Day, 10-under. Reed, 14-under. Leishman, 15-under. Okay, that's for a regular PGA Tour event. Now, what do those numbers all have in common? Most of those winners all shot a low round, including even the Rose outlier, 21-under. On the North course, mm-hmm. their average score was 63 or 64 that week. So that, low. that is a wow. big, that low, Adam. So that right there changes the dynamics of that mm-hmm. winning score. In fact, you could argue to almost cut it in half in terms of the way the North course plays to For the sure. South course. So if Reed wins at 14 under without the North course, he likely wins, let's be fair, 8 or 9 under. Jason Day wins at 10 under, shot 64 at the North course. Let's be fair, he likely wins at 5 or 6 under. You see where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Okay. U.S. Open was there in 08, one under par. We could argue that in the last eh, 13 years, generally speaking, the tour is better. Players are bigger, mm-hmm. stronger. Talent pools are deeper. Tiger Woods partly to nod for this, you know, like right. he's made the tour better. 
I got to think that I'm going to give you two numbers. You give me your over and your under. Okay. I'm going to put the winning score at five and a half under par. And I am going to put the amount of players under par at one and a half. So five and a half under par winning score and players under par one and a half. I am going to go over on both because I believe six under par is going to win this championship. And I believe there will be, I believe there will be two or three players better than par two or three. Where are you on those numbers? So I'm on the under. So, I'm thinking four under is the winning score. Um, that's what right. I'm thinking at four under. And then in terms of players under par, I'm thinking three, three or four, maybe, maybe okay, four. So you I, like I would the say over the one and a half. You yeah. like the over. You like a log jam between one and four under. I like I like a, a minor log jam. A lot of guys at even per se, but I like a four under right. winning score. All right, we'll have to ask Bob what he likes on this number on our uh, TV episode this week. But mm-hmm. I think we're all going to be hovering around the same spot. And hopefully we get more than a two-horse race like we had at Wingfoot. That was a great U.S. Open, don't get me wrong, but it's better when uh, more players have the opportunity uh, to strike, so to speak. Okay, mm-hmm. Adam, Team Canada. We've got four players in the field, all very different, all at very different kind of moments in their career, I would suggest. Um, Corey Connors, uh, uh, I think, is clearly right now the number one male uh, for Team Canada. I, I think it would be hard to argue against that. Um, just so consistent, so uh, top ten. He's an ATM machine. Uh, the, the, if you're going to knock him, the knock is where? Where's the second victory? But winning on the PGA Tour is hard to do. Look at Tony Finau. Uh, many people would suggest yeah. that Tony Finau is one of the game's best players. He still has never won a second time on the PGA Tour. Okay? Right. Winning is hard. But Corey Connors would clearly be the second best player. Uh, sorry, the, the, uh, clearly be Canada's best male player. My question to you is, who's Canada's second best male player? Is he in this tournament? Is he in the U.S. Open? And and who is it? Because, I mean, you could make so many arguments right now with with Mac kind of struggling a little bit, with Adam searching for it, Taylor playing well but not in the field, and Taylor Pendrith in the field but really hasn't done it at the PGA Tour level yet, but yet qualified for another U.S. Open. There's a lot of arguments you could make here, and I'm curious of where your mind goes. You know, it's funny you mention that because another guy, obviously, who didn't qualify, didn't try to qualify, is Mike Weir, who qualified for the 2019 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. So there's another guy. But, you know, Mac Hughes, he had that great run last summer into the Tour Championship and always played well when the conditions got really tough. Top 10 last year at the Memorial right before they redid the golf course in really tough conditions. BMW Championship last year, which essentially played like a U.S. Open, also played very well there. Obviously, Mac Hughes hasn't had the greatest of years. Taylor Pendrith, hasn't, he, he's been solid on the Corn Ferry Tour this year, but not outstanding by any means, but T23 at the U.S. Open in September. I think between Pendrith, Hughes, and Hadwin, 
Pendrith's game is more suited for a big ballpark like this because he hits it an absolute mile off the tee. He has now the experience of playing at a U.S. Open and making the cut at a U.S. Open. I remember we had a swing coach, Derek Ingram, on our program the Saturday of the, the U.S. Open that week, and he seemed to be in pretty good spirits, uh, Taylor Pendrith, in terms of his mindset and mentality. So I don't think the moment will be too big for him because he's made a cut already at the U.S. Open. Of those three, I, I think Pendrith has the best chance to be uh, you know, second-low Canadian or, you know what, who knows, maybe have a chance to win this thing. You know, I am thinking about this exactly the same way you are. Uh, and I would agree that, you know, if we were to go back to last season, you know, the BMW Championship was the hardest regular season non-major. It was basically the, the, the most difficult PGA Tour event that was a non-major, hands down, was the BMW Championship, mm-hmm. without question. You know, we show, you showed up at the BMW Championship and a major broke out. And who performed? Mackenzie Hughes. And who buried a seven-footer when they needed one to go to the Tour Championship? Mackenzie Hughes. Mm -hmm. So I am shocked, Adam, that we are currently in this situation. I'm I'm thrilled that Mackenzie's in the field because he deserves to be there, and I'm thrilled he's playing. But I am surprised that we have not seen him carry that play forward. And I'm hopeful that, that... the harder the tournaments get, something might trigger and he finds something and gets hot again. Because sometimes you need to be awake, almost awakened like that, that you need a golf course to push back, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. to activate another part of your game at all. Um, are we in agreement then that Corey Connors, though, is 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 he the number? Is he the guy who's going to win this, you know, in terms of the Canadian field? Is he our best chance? I mean, 100%. To have the overnight lead on Thursday of the PGA Championships just keeps getting more and more experience on the big stage. Obviously, that Friday morning, he faltered a little bit, still had a respectable finish. But, you know, you look at Corey Connors' stats this season, 10th in driving accuracy, 8th in greens and regulation, 15th in scoring average. So you'd think for a U.S. Open, that that's a recipe for success. 157th, though, in strokes gain around the green. And Bob mentioned, you mentioned that he's doing a lot of work on his wedges because, as we all know, you're not going to hit all 18 greens every round at the U.S. Open. You're going to have to make some, excuse me, pars, if you will, some pars that, you, you know, you've got to make 25-footers. You have to hit pitches from 50 yards up and down all the time. But a bunch of top 10s this season, good finishes at both the Masters in 2020 in November and, of course, at April in April as well. Corey Connors has to be the, the low, the favorite to be low Canadian for sure. If he can clean that, that aspect around the green, that aspect of his game around the green, the strokes gained around the green, I think you never know. Again, another guy, Corey Connors, could be in the mix this week. You're right, though, Adam. It does scare me. It needs to get a lot better. And, he, you mm-hmm. know, it's got to move up a good hunk. He can't be 180th. He's going to have to be, you know, top 70, which is a huge leap in that category. And we saw it at Keough Island when he. When you look at his numbers on the days he hit greens and regulation, he led. And then when he had a day where he didn't hit greens and regulation, he tumbled down the other side of the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of pressure at a U.S. Open. You're just not going to hit 15 greens. Not going to happen. So how do you put a good score on the board by hitting 10 greens? That is the question that Corey Connors will be asking himself. And that is the reason why he told Bob, I'm working on my wedge play. Because he needs to figure out that yeah recipe right there okay the question for adam and i is who do we believe already has that recipe who do we believe has the recipe of i can shoot 70 
when I hit 10 greens. I can shoot 69 when I hit 10 greens because that's who's going to win the U.S. Open. And we will do it on the other side. We will have our U.S. Open draft. We will take an American. We will take a European. We will take an international and a wild card. Four players each in a U.S. Open draft heading into Torrey Pines this week. We'll do it on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. All right, welcome back, Golf Talk Canada, as we are previewing the year's third major. I still can't get used to that, Adam. The year's third major. It was always the year's second major. Yeah. Yeah, it, Although, it's I think it, the PGA champion... Sorry. No, I was just going to say, it, it's, it is interesting how the PGA Championship feels like yesterday to me. It, it, everything's sort of bunched together now. I'm not sure if I like it or I don't like it. Well, what it is, is it, it's, you know, if you start in March, you've got like one of the game, you've got a premier event now every month. So I understand what so you go Players Championship March, Masters April, PGA May, U.S. Open June, Open Championship July, hand out the FedEx Cup at some point, usually in August. It's going to be early September this year, but the playoffs in August. So, And then, of course, Ryder Cup, end of September. So, you know, I, I understand why they did it. It's quite the run. I just feel like, I don't know, there's winners and losers in everything. The U.S. Open's always going to be the U.S. Open. Like, it's, you know. But, there, but I think if you were to pick a tournament that might be the biggest winner, might be the, the PGA Championship in May. That, that won the most by the reshuffle. I don't know. It's just they've had some great championships. This last one was hugely popular. And I think people are kind of not out, for lack of a better term, out golf. There's a bit of a, like I know you, Bob, and I, there's a bit of, and if you, Bob, and I are feeling a little bit like over golfed, so to speak, uh, you can, I guarantee you the consumer is feeling the same thing. Like they almost need a reset. And to your point, it feels like we just closed the door on the PGA, and here we are again. Yeah, here we are again. And, you know, you mentioned the, the PGA, and the last multiple PGA championships have been very dramatic and down to the wire. You know, the last two in particular, Colin Morikawa at Harding Park and, of course, Phil Mickelson. But you even think, like, the last couple of Masters, Dustin Johnson runs away with the victory. Hideki Matsuyama wins and you know Xander Shoffley made a brief push there that was incredibly close for I don't know 15 20 minutes but other than that it was kind mm -hmm. of a blowout Bryson DeChambeau and Matt Wolf the same thing at the U.S. Open at Wingfoot around the turn they both eagled that ninth hole it was sort of close and then Bryson pulled through I'm just hoping for a close a close finish this week at the U.S. Open I'm, I'm not saying a playoff but let, let's see something down to the wire I, I agree. Let's see a nail butter. Let's get a classic because uh, we've been waiting a while for one. Okay, Skulls, let's do it. We're going to do, do an it. American, a European, an international, and a wild card. Let's start with the American. I'll give you the honors. Uh, who are you starting with? Uh, Team USA, who's your first pick? 
Team USA, my first pick is Xander Shoffley. You know, he had the heartbreak at Augusta National back in April, that 16th hole on Sunday. Claims he hit a good shot in there. The wind switched, whatever you want to believe. He's obviously from the Torrey Pines area. He's played in the U.S. Open four times in his career. His finishes, T5, T6, T3, and 5th. You know, Mark, he's the first player to begin his U.S. Open career with four consecutive top 10 finishes since Bobby Jones. I'd say that's pretty good company, so I like Xander Shoffley. I think it's his time to break through. Okay, on the American side of things, who are you, who are you liking? San Diego native. Wow, Xander Shoffley. I'm going to be honest with you, Adam. If we had five picks today... Instead right. of four, Xander Shoffley would be on my team. It took me everything I had not to put him on my team. I had him even up to an hour ago when we were sketching this out. And I'm thinking, I had him yeah. in the wild card slot. And since we started this show, he left my four Ooh. slot and moved to my five slot. I had my wild card pick on the outside looking in. But my American, you're going to see a real theme in my picks, especially off the top, because I'm going to go horses for courses play hard this week. And the reason I'm going to do that is because this golf course plays hard, even for the Farmers Insurance Open. So the jump from a regular tour event to a major is not the massive leap that it can be in some places than it is at Torrey Pines. And because of that, I will take the reigning Farmers Insurance Open champion, who's also had a tremendous career at the Farmers Insurance Open, always contends on this golf course, P. Reed. Patrick Reed, I will take as my American, hasn't done much lately, but is the reigning champ at Torrey Pines. Uh, golf needs its villains, and Patrick Reed right now is saying, Kepka and DeChambeau, stop stealing my spotlight. I'm the villain in this sport. <laughs> I'm sure he'll take an illegal drop, maybe kick one out of the woods into the fairway, do something like that, you know? Uh, but Patrick Reed is my American horses for courses. Okay, Adam, I'm gonna keep the, I will keep the tee and come back around the horn yep. with my European. And although... The quarantine does concern me. Mm. I have been picking John Rahm to win the U.S. Open for more than six months now. I said, when we get to Torrey Pines, I will pick John Rahm. Look at his record at this golf course. He, his time is now to win a major championship. I did not put him on my last two major teams. And I, you know, I didn't pick him for the Masters. I did not pick him for. Um, I actually might have picked him for Augusta. I did not pick him for Keough Island because I've had him circled for Tory Pines for six months. Yes, the quarantine bothers me a little bit, but his record on this golf course is incredible. He always threatens here, and I'm wondering if John Rahm with a chip on his shoulder which he certainly has right now because of what went down at Memorial. He's not blaming anybody. He handled that situation very well with tons of class. But don't you kid yourself that quietly in the back of his mind, he was irritated. He was angry mm -hmm. because he was one vaccine away from not even being tested anymore. And he would have yeah. won that golf tournament in a walk-off parade. He would have won the Memorial. I think John Rahm comes into this tournament with a chip on his shoulder confidence loves the golf course john rom's my number one pick this week he's my european adam 
It's hard to argue that, and John Rahm would have been $1.6 million more uh, richer after that victory at the Memorial. But looking forward to seeing what kind of game John Rahm has this week. And now, for the, on the European side of things, I'm picking a player who has played with John Rahm at the Ryder Cup, I should say, in a team format. Maybe not partner. Actually, they have partnered together. And that's Justin Rose. I think Justin Rose has a good chance to have a good week this week. Top 10s at both majors in 2021, T7 at the Masters, T8 at the PGA. Five career top 10s at the U.S. Open, of course, including that win over Phil Mickelson at Marion in 2013. Justin Rose is my European pick. And three years and only three years removed from his uh, 2019 Farmers Insurance Open win. So he's won at Torrey Pines before. He's proven he could putt on POA. That might be a really good dark sleeper pick there, Adam. And who knows? I, I was thinking potentially Patrick Reed for our TSN edge picks. I have two players firm down pat that I am picking for TSN edge this week. I'm contemplating Rose is in that sort of contemplation side of things for me, but I like Justin Rose to contend this week. Okay, international. Okay, you're international. Stay with you for your international pick. So this is fairly wide open. You know, there are a lot of guys, probably a group of seven or eight players you could go with. And this is a player Bob Weeks is very high on for the PGA Championship. This guy played well at the Masters back in November. I'm going Abraham Answer, third in driving accuracy this season, 12th in greens in regulation. Very consistent season, 10 straight made cuts, T8 of the PGA Championship. Abraham Answer, could it be his time to shine? It could be. It's a, it's a good pick. Um, I am stuck on two guys, and I'm at this mm-hmm. point going to flip a coin. I mean, uh, I told you I was going to go a horses for courses play the, the yep. whole way. Um, I, I am trying to decide between Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman, two yep. Australians. Uh, Cameron Smith is the obvious pick for the season he's had and how well he's played. Uh, Leishman is more for his familiarity and success on this golf course. I walked with mm-hmm. him for uh, Friday through Sunday when he won here a couple of years ago. I uh, called, yep. called every shot he hit for PGA Tour Radio. Um, I'm going to have to go with Cameron Smith. I'm, gonna bull, I'm going to leave the horses for courses. Although Cam Smith has had some decent finishes at Torrey Pines and does typically play there every year on his schedule. I'm going to go with Cameron Smith. I like his performances in majors recently, as to your point with Abraham Answer. I will go with Cameron Smith as my international player. Okay, and for my final pick, Adam. Here we go. Who, Here we go. Up, in, up until 60 minutes ago, <laughs> smack dab in the middle of hour one of Golf Talk Canada, was Xander Shoffley. He was my wild card pick up until 60 minutes ago. But I have talked to myself out of Xander Shoffley and have talked myself in to Jordanian Jordan Spieth. I am just thinking about who's the best wedge player in the world? Who's the best scrambler in the world? Who puts horrible greens well? Well, I'm sitting here going, what's the worst putting surfaces we've ever seen at a U.S. Open, maybe ever. And the name Chambers Bay keeps popping out into my head. And I remember watching Jordan Spieth 
make large buckets of 20-footers as the players described putting Chambers Bay as putting on broccoli and cauliflower. Horrible, horrible putting surfaces. So if you believe the narrative that Jordan Spieth is close to completing the full comeback, he's already won, large bucket of top fives. The last time he played, he should have won, gave it away on Sunday. If he's as close as the golf world is predicting, and these greens are as hard as the golf world knows, Jordan Spieth seems like a no-brainer for me, Adam. I'm going to take him as my wild card. I might regret leaving Xander Shoffley off this mm-hmm. team because I know that was a great pick for all the reasons you outlined. And trust me, if I had one more pick right now, it would be Xander Shoffley, hands down. But I will go Jordan Spieth. Who, sir, is your wild card? Hard not to like that pick of Jordan Spieth. And for the U.S. Open, you're going to need patience. You're, go, you know, you're going to hit bad shots. You're going to get bad breaks. But I'm picking a player who's done quite well at the U.S. Open as of late. He's not everyone's favorite. He's not your favorite for sure, Mark. But that is Brooks Kepka. He is my wild card pick. Last three U.S. Opens, second, first, first. Pretty good. Of course, he didn't play the U.S. Open in September, uh, recovering from injury. Who knew, uh, going into the PGA last month, no real form coming in. Comes T2 there. I think Brooks Kepka. he's got a chip on his shoulder because he always has a chip on his shoulder. He played last week at Palmetto just to get 36 holes in, just to get his cardio up for a couple of days. He'll go into Torrey Pines. He is my wild card pick. He looked awful this week, Adam. I Did he ever? For a few holes. He looked terrible. He missed the cut. The, the, the fairways there, you can land a 747 on those fairways. They're so wide. And he missed the cut. Uh, I think karma is a problem for Brooks Kepka. I hope he shoots 80. I really do. I'd love him <laughs> to peg it up on Thursday and shoot 80. And I hope they jam 9,000 microphones and cameras in his face when he shoots 80. And, and, and ask, and, you know, but I guarantee you this. He's probably going to shoot. If he does shoot 80, I bet you can't find him. I bet he doesn't talk to the media and he walks away. We will see. I, uh, I'm not a fan at the moment. I haven't been for many years, mind you, so I'm consistent mm-hmm. on this. I just, uh, I know, uh, I know he's a hell of a player, proven that. It's not nothing to do with his talent, nothing to do with his talent and ability. I just don't like the disrespect right now for the game. You handed out cases of Michelob Light to guys that have heckled <laughs> people. I got a problem. We will see. You went with Kepka. I'm cheering against them. We will find out. Okay. On the other side, we will do three dubs. Winners, Weird, and What, coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zakino Scully as we get you set for the U.S. Open coming up. 9.45 ET, Thursday morning, TSN television, mm-hmm. all four rounds, TSN, CTV, the year's third major. And Golf Talk Canada this Wednesday, 60-minute 
U.S. Open preview special. But let's do it. It is that time. Three dub. The good, the bad, the ugly. Winners, weird, and what? And Scully, this week, the tea is mine. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Well, Adam, earlier we were breaking down the chances of Team Canada at mm-hmm. the U.S. Open, and we spoke a little bit about Taylor Pendrith. He's had a, quite the season on the Corn Ferry Tour, but uh, more of a consistent, solid play, a winner out there, uh, has threatened many times, done, so, done very well, Monday qualifier for the U.S. Open, and will make his way to the PGA Tour uh, for next season. But my winner is somebody who has dominated, and you use the word dominate. Who, you know, it's not like Taylor has dominated on the Corn Ferry Tour. Well, yesterday at the BMW Charity Pro-Am on the Corn Ferry Tour, Mito Pereira started the day three shots back at Justin Lauer heading into the final round. And he went out on Sunday and he shot 64 and he won on the Corn Ferry Tour for back-to-back weeks and his third victory of the season, which means he automatically gets the promotion to the PGA Tour. Three wins on the Corn Ferry Tour in the same season. You get the automatic promotion. Welcome to the PGA Tour. Adam, three times on the Corn Ferry Tour is dominating. But what I love about this is he knows that going into Sunday. He knows he's got two wins under his belt, the most recent last week. He knows he's three shots behind, and if he can go out and get it done, his life changes forever and he shoots 64 and ends up washing out the field winning by four i mean wow maybe we should be watching out for this guy it takes some serious guts to do that in three victories on the corn ferry tour to get your membership and we've seen this happen in the past with players doing very well on the corn ferry tour think this time last year had we ever mentioned the name will zalatoris on this show I would say probably not. And now he's a top 40 player in the world. He's been in the mix at the Masters. Runner-up finish there. Kudos. Great victory here. My weird this week, and, and we've spoken a lot about this during the show, but we haven't really broken it down much. My weird this week is the performance of Dustin Johnson coming off a layoff at the Palmetto Championship. Heading into this weekend, we all were waiting to see what DJ was going to do to say, should he be on our radar when we get to Torrey Pines? There was question marks on his putting, question marks on his driver, can't keep it in the fairway. I mean, there was all aspects of his game with question marks on it. We show up at the Palmetto Championship at a golf course that we've never seen before, and he goes out and he opens with a 65, which kind of made, in a lot of our minds, a statement as it kind of said to us, I, I think, in a way, Adam, it kind of said, what I've been doing since this time off away from the game is working hard and sorting out my, you know, my issues off the golf course. He follows it up with a 68, including a double bogey on the 18th hole on Friday, but, but certainly showing us that the time he's put in off the golf course has paid off tremendously. Mm-hmm. And then it goes off the cliff for the weekend. And I don't understand it. Instead of getting better, it gets progressively worse to the point where he has a chance to win a championship on Sunday and lays an egg with a triple bogey and hands this tournament away. He should have been in a playoff. He should have had a chance to win. And instead, he just completely falls apart. This is my bo- This is the number that drives me uh, crazy the most. 
putters can come and go. But he is one of the best drivers of the golf ball in the world. And on Sunday, when he needed to win a championship, he had 7 of 14 fairways on him. On the widest fairways you'll see on the PGA Tour. 7 of 14 fairways. All week he hovered around 70% off the tee and then all of a sudden collapses on the weekend. This makes no sense to me whatsoever. I have more question marks leaving Palmetto Hmm. than I had going into Palmetto, and that's why he's my weird. Can you make any sense of this at all? You know what? It is strange because, as we know, for the last number of years, Dustin Johnson has only played a fade off the tee, but it looked like he was missing it both ways. You know, he was quoted a couple months ago uh, doing some sort of video saying he was asked if he'd ever hit a draw on purpose off the tee last year, and he said zero times, only hitting fades. But now if he's missing it, he's missing it left with this pull, maybe a pull draw or maybe even a pull, pull hook, if you will, and then, or he's missing it right off the planet. It's a puzzling performance for Dustin Johnson. Still a top 10, clearly not having his best stuff. I'm really curious which DJ shows up this week at Torrey Pines. It's going to be very interesting to see what we get. Uh, it is good. We're going to know early, Adam. We're going to know early on Thursday. Uh, and it's all about putting it in the fairway. It's all going to start yeah. right from there for Dustin Johnson. Okay. And my what this week is really, I did this for you. Because oh. you love hitting bombs. You love hitting bombs. You love uh, watching Mickelson hit bombs. You love you picked Kepka this week because he hits bombs. <laughs> but get ready and get used to this name, Wilco Nienaber. Get used to the name Wilco Nienaber. Comes to us off the European Tour, and he is the Bryson DeChambeau of the European Tour. And his numbers off the tee are obscene. What a driving machine. Listen to these numbers. This week, he averaged 337 yards off the tee. To keep that average in mind, DeChambeau averages 322, okay? Listen to his numbers off the tee this week in just the final round. 334, 329, 355, 354, 352, 369. These are just every hole, his driving numbers in the final round. I mean, he's averaging 350 yards off the tee. Yes, the fairways were fast, etc. But, I mean, he is dominating the uh, European Tour driving distance. He averages about 10 to 15 more than DeChambeau across the season. Watch out for this guy. Wilco Nienaber hits it ridiculously long. What a driving machine, Adam. Were you shocked when you saw some of these numbers? Some of his numbers and the, the, the speed he has in his golf swing, it, it, watching that, you just get sore looking at it. But that's the future of golf now. Guys can hit it an absolute mile. Looking forward to seeing this prospect now on the PGA Tour going forward. I'm averaging it 305 off the tee, and I'm now exclusively short. That's what you're saying if you're on the PGA <laughs> Tour right now. All right, Adam, that does it for me. The tee is yours. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. All right, Mark, my winner this week goes back to Garrick Higo's press conference after winning his first career PGA tournament, his fourth victory worldwide since September. Garrick was uh, fielding a couple questions when he received a very special phone call and actually took it during the press conference. Hey, Gary. I don't think my whole family and I sat here 
we had to change our underwear that uh, when we were finished we were pooping ourselves so much <laughs> and I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever in my now listen carefully my young man I don't think I have ever in my lifetime been more excited about anybody winning a golf tournament I tell you Thanks I had so tears much. in my eyes I had tears in my eyes really because you really deserve it and you <clears throat> I really believe this and you, I think, are beginning to believe it now. You must be believing it in your... And you can have all the coaching and everything and all the talent, but if you don't believe yourself you're the best, you can never do it. And I think you've got that into your brain now that you can believe that you'll be the so. Pretty, pretty strong words there from <laughs> Gary Player. Uh, I mean, a little nervous watching Gary Cagle play, clearly, but pretty awesome for Gary Player to reach out and call Gary Cagle during, during the press conference. Very, very, it's very, very long off the tee, Adam. It's very long, not like Jack. Jack is fat and does not hit it long off the tee. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, my weird this week. This is just a strange story. So Mark Hensby is playing uh, this week and at the Palmetto Championship, playing solid. He had a triple bogey off the start, but bounced back with a couple birdies and then played a couple holes, you know, around even par, one over, sort of humming along and... He looks at his ball and says, there's a weird mark on this ball. I'm not sure, is this my ball? I, the Titleist sent me a, a wrong golf ball, playing the Titleist Pro V1 golf ball. But what he actually realized is that he took some of Pat Perez's golf balls on the practice putting green before the round and used that ball for five holes. So using the wrong golf ball that you had at the start of the round, that's a two-shot penalty. So his, his score was 10 shots higher. So, you know, an 84 instead of a 74. Bounce, he realized this on the front nine. Bounce back to shoot one over on his back nine. But, Mark, this is a pretty puzzling story. That's bizarre. I'm just, you know, I'm so shocked that, you, you know, you just, I guess you wouldn't notice. You're both playing the same golf ball and you're hanging around the green. It's a shame that, you know, and he pegs it up and puts it in play. But bizarre. But, hey, listen, the rules are strange. Sometimes they work in your favor. Sometimes they work against you. This is clearly against you. Clearly against you for sure, a very bizarre story. And now, my what this week, we've spoken at length about Phil Mickelson, some of the swing changes he has made, and that swing coach is Andrew Getson. But you might think, how did Phil Mickelson and Andrew Getson become a partnership? How did Getson start coaching Phil Mickelson? Where well, it actually stems back to a number of years ago with Phil's former caddy, uh, and that is Bones Mackay. So the story goes... Bones was uh, brought his son Oliver out to a driving range and to get a lesson from this club pro, and that was uh, or this teaching professional, I should say, and that was Andrew Getson. And and they're, you know, he's, he's he's teaching the lesson, of course. And Bones is asking some questions, and and uh, um, Getson also gave Bones a bit of a lesson at the same time. And Bones hit a couple shots, maybe a little thin or a little fat, and, and Getson said, you know what, Bones, your boss actually does the same thing. Boss at the time being Phil Mickelson. So Bones is sort of, oh, okay, that's interesting. So a couple weeks later, Bones is out uh, at a PGA Tour stop with Phil Mickelson, and Bones relays this information off, and Phil says, excuse me, pardon me, and, and Bones thought that he had offended Phil. But Phil was, you know, he wanted to know what he said, it got to the point where Bones had to give Phil Andrew Getson's phone number, and a couple hours later, Andrew Getson's on a plane to go practice and teach Phil Mickelson. 
And I guess as they say, the rest is history. But a pretty wild story to think that Bones Mackay started this partnership all because of a lesson with his son Oliver and Andrew Getson. Another strange story. I, I, I did not know that story, Adam. And uh, I've had the pleasure of walking with Andrew uh, a lot of times because when I started my uh, play-by-play uh, career, um, Phil was out there quite a bit still on the, on the regular tour. And, and I typically always got Phil Mickelson as an assignment because – there was no secret that I was a Phil fan and a lefty and certainly, you know, was very energetic calling Phil, which comes across good on radio, unlike TV, where you just, you know, hand it off to the pitchers. You got to bring the energy on radio, yada, yada, yada. So I would get lefty quite a bit and I would walk with Andrew quite a bit. He's a really great guy, very engaging. He lives and breathes every on every swing Phil makes. I, I couldn't imagine what he was going through at the PGA Championship last May having to watch that. I mean, like, he's very much like uh, the way, you know, Amy was probably living and dying on every mm-hmm. swing uh, last May. But I didn't know that. That's a very cool story. And you never know when you're going to get a tip or a piece of information or something like that along the way that uh, – that really helps. You got to be open. Listen, you always got to be open to listening. Not everything you're going to hear is going to work. Not everything you, you not everybody giving you information, it, it, you know, necessarily should be. There's a lot of bad information out there. But I mean, you got to be opening to hearing things. And there you go, right there. Think of where Phil mm-hmm. might be if that that connection doesn't happen, right? Who knows? So, on the other side, we will update you on some leaderboards in the world of golf. A lot of golf happening this weekend. Some final thoughts on the U.S. Open before we hand it off. To Leafs Lunch, Andy Petrillo, Leafs Lunch. Can can Carey Price steal another series? Or have they or is this it now? They finally have run into a team that it's gonna take more than just a goalie. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing the Carey Price Mark Andre Fleury showdown, I gotta say. as a former goaltender. You're a big Fleury fan, right? I'm a big Fleury. I I have said if if I had one game in the NHL to win, Mark Andre Fleury's my guy in that. There you go. Well, you're going to see a duel tonight then in a series against two great teams that lean heavy on their goalie. So Mm -hmm. we'll find it out tonight. Leafs Lunch is coming up next. But on the other side, leaderboard updates. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac. Spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4 XT5 or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. Golf, Matilda Castron gets it done, becoming the first Finnish player to win on the LPGA Tour. Jerry Kelly wins the on the Champions Tour, American Family Insurance Championship. That's a one-shot win over Miguel and Al Jimenez. Mito Pereira, four-shot win, his third win on the Corn Ferry Tour. Gives him an automatic promotion to the PGA Tour. Well done for him. And Garrick Higo gets it done, his fourth win in the last nine months. Palmetto Championship PGA Tour. Adam, U.S. Open week. We go to TV Wednesday and then hand it off to the network. What's the schedule? Yeah, so for Golf Talk and the television, Wednesday, 1 p.m. TSN 5. And then Wednesday, 10 p.m. TSN 2 prime time because yes u.s open is also in prime time this week on thursday 9 45 a.m tsn5 all the way to 11 p.m 13 hours and 15 minutes of coverage what more could you ask for stay tuned to tsn all weekend for coverage of the u.s open
Adam, we will see you tomorrow for Golf Talk Canada Television. That airs on Wednesday. You and I will have our U.S. Open bed sore challenge with all that coverage. Who can move the least amount of time in four days of U.S. Open coverage? You have a good one, buddy. I hope you get to play some golf this week. Uh, 20 Weeks TaylorMade continues. Make sure you hit us up at Golf Talk Canada, at TaylorMade Canada on social media. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, the first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.